For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is the final episode of Outbreak Alabama, Stories from a Pandemic. I remember at the very beginning when they were talking about what we could expect, and they said, you know, most of the people who get this won't get seriously ill. Most of the people who are seriously ill won't die. But, you know, it will still be about 2% of the population. And the first that you hear that, you think, well, that's not a lot. But, you know, they don't tell you who those people are going to be. Today we hear from AL.com reporter William Thornton. Bill covers a lot of ground for AL.com, ranging from business to crime to politics. Since March 2020, he's covered COVID just about every way you can. Vaccine updates, how the pandemic impacts Alabama industry, everything. He also writes obituary features about those who lost their lives to the virus. Stories about single mothers like Shalana May Dorn of ARAP. Law enforcement workers like Melissa Wilkerson of DeKalb County. Teachers like Alyssa Ward-Allen of Mount Hebron. And couples like Roger and Peggy Higgins of Gadsden. In this final episode of the podcast, I want to focus on those in Alabama who lost their lives to COVID. As of today, November 1st, 2021, 15,573 people have died from it, 7,187 in 2020, and 8,386 in 2021. I spoke to William Thornton about his process for writing COVID obituaries in Alabama, how they evolved as the pandemic evolved, and how we should remember those who lost their lives in the pandemic. Bill, how would you describe the first few days of the pandemic from the perspective of an AL.com employee? When it all hit the fan and this got really, really real, how did your work life change? Well, just a little background. I have worked from home for uh, about eight years before the pandemic started, so that was nothing new for me. What changed was the volume of work and just the time that I was spending on the job. I am usually the business reporter for AL.com. So in the beginning, it was plants closing and uh, businesses being disrupted and, uh, you know, how businesses were coping and, and unemployment. And it was such a big job that overnight, uh, about three or four other people started in on the business stuff. But my work day started when I woke up and ended basically when I went to sleep for about a month and a half. And it was, you know, just kind of solid. And I'm sure that was this the way with a lot of people was it was just coming at me from all sides. And when you go from having a record low unemployment to having the highest unemployment that you've had in more than 30 years in the space of one month, that was, you know, kind of sobering. And you had to balance what you were seeing every day with I kept this idea in my mind of it's not going to be as bad as everybody says it's going to be. And it's not going to be as good as everybody wants it to be. And as long as I kept those two things in mind, I was able to kind of manage my expectations of it as well. And also, you know, I had the same thing with everybody else. You know, it's, it's happening to my wife. It's happening to my daughter. She has to come home from college and, you know, basically suspend everything socially for, you know, months. So 
that was how it started for me. Yeah, we were all just moving in a million different directions, trying to figure out how to cover this. And, and early on for you, and, and really throughout, you were focusing on business, the business aspect of it, how it affects Alabama industry and whatnot. But things began to shift as the death toll started to grow, and you started to shift to a different direction. When did things shift to obituaries for you? Well, it took a while, if you re recall the early days of the pandemic, everything, the action was happening elsewhere. It was happening in, uh, you know, the Northeast and, and other areas. I do remember when uh, the first case was reported in Alabama, that was a big deal. And uh, just from background, I don't live in the Birmingham area. I actually live near Gadsden. So uh, when they made an announcement that there were three COVID positive patients in Etowah County, Immediately, I began getting questions from my friends. Where do these people live? You know, as though that information is out there, you know. And so that was that was a, a shock. But the obituaries really started in the fall when we had our very large spike and we began seeing uh, law enforcement people who were dying and also teachers. There were a few cases in particular, one in Mobile, I think, and there was a, a, a person who worked in DeKalb County who died. And, you know, that kind of established the pattern of you are trying to find people who can tell you about these people, but also you're trying to find any mention of them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and trying to get a sense of them as a person. Yeah, and I want to ask you about your process with that. What was your approach to each person? Well, okay, so about... Everybody remembers 20 years ago when 9-11 happened, there were 2,900 victims at the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And at the time that that happened, the New York Times began a series of, of uh, news stories about each person who was a victim in it. And uh, for, I think, uh, probably about eight weeks to two months, they would do these stories four and five a day sometimes more, sometimes less, where they would have reporters kind of track down as much information as they could find about these people to give people a sense of who they were. And that's kind of what I tried to do in approaching these stories is try and find out all that you can just to give somebody a sense of who this person was. Uh, what did they do for a living? What kind of family life they had? Any kind of small uh, information that you could give somebody to grasp the fact that these aren't just names and they're not just numbers. Every day we would look at the television and we would see this many positive cases, this many deaths. But each of those numbers is a person. They had a life. They had people who loved them. They had uh, dreams and aspirations just like everybody else. So what you tried to do was to try to give as, as much of a sense as you could from what little information you might be able to find. If you found somebody who could give you a, a sense of this person, you had to be careful because they're going through grief. And and um, a lot of times if you contact somebody in that situation, they want to tell the person's story, but it's still very hard for them. As careful as you had to be, did you ever get the kind of feedback that you obviously don't want or that you're trying to avoid when you're writing about someone's life, someone who has passed away? Did you ever upset anybody no matter how hard you tried not to well the the main thing that i noticed as we went on and this has been true of this year more than 
obviously last year, is <clears throat> people who are fixated on the question of if somebody died, whether they were vaccinated or not. And I understand why people ask that question. And what I would try to tell them if they would email me or whatever is, you know, if we knew if the person was vaccinated, we would report it. But the thing is, is that there were times where it was getting to the point where people were asking this question as though that's the only relevant statistic about this person. And there's a certain question in the background of, well, if they weren't vaccinated, maybe they deserved it. Or maybe uh, we shouldn't be paying this much attention to somebody who could have gotten the vaccine and, and didn't do that. And I really that offended me on a lot of levels because these people's lives did not exist as a cautionary tale for somebody else you know whether they were vaccinated or not their life still mattered their life still needed to have that story told and then there were the other people who were convinced that the reason that they had died was because they had been vaccinated that we're somehow hiding that from the public there were times where you did find out if somebody was vaccinated and we tried to mention that but Uh, It's not a question that was uppermost in my mind when I'm asking these people, you know, tell me about your loved one. Tell me about your friend. Tell me about your colleague. What what is it that you remember about them? A lot of times people didn't know if the person was vaccinated or not. Well, and as more people passed away in Alabama, as the numbers just grew and grew into the thousands, how did your approach change over time? Like with more deaths and more chances to tell more people's stories. How did you determine whom to write about? Well, some of them were just obvious. Like there was a there was a woman who um, who died who was uh, she had adopted her brother's children when her brother had died several years ago. And the more that I found out about this woman, the more I, I admired her. She had she'd worked several jobs. She had quit her dream job so that she could take care of these kids And she just everybody who talked about her talked about what a work ethic she had, what a heart she had for people. And when you hear stories like that, you're like, I've got to tell this person's story. And there were other times where, you know, uh, we had a story about we had two stories, actually, about a man and a woman married couple who both died of the virus uh, days apart. And, um, you know, when you have a situation like that, you want to. uh, you want to be as respectful as you can of people's privacy, but you also want to tell that story. And we were lucky to find people who could tell that story. But I started out in the news business writing obituaries, but I did not have to actually go out and ask people for that information. It would always come to you because, you know, you're just basically typing it in or whatever. But I never really lost the focus that, what is it, Emerson said, everybody has one great autobiography in them. Well, if you want to if you want to look at people's lives, there's usually some kernel there of interest that you can pin a story around. What did these people like to do? What were their passions? You know, what were the things that made them stand out? And I always felt good if I could find somebody who would tell you, you know, uh, he had a great sense of humor or uh, his great ambition was, you know, to work in radio or whatever. What did you consider the greatest challenge in writing about people who have died of COVID? Just finding as much firsthand information. When we were doing these stories, a lot of times we had to rely on social media posts and say a GoFundMe page or something like that. 
And I always tried to push through that to find somebody I could talk to. Now, I wasn't always successful, but if you could just get somebody to talk to you um, and people were very understanding, you know, it might not be a family member, but they would always steer you in the direction of a friend or a boss or a coworker or something like that. We also had a story that was um, uh, it, it was COVID related. The person did not die of COVID, but what happened was is that he had a heart attack and and uh, was taken to the hospital and they he needed uh, more care than that hospital could give and ended up having to be transferred to from Coleman to Meridian, Mississippi was the closest place that he could go after he had been turned down by dozens of other hospitals. And uh, that guy was interesting in that he had been an antique dealer. And even though you're telling that first story about how far he had to go to get medical care. You also want to give a little bit about the person himself. You know, what was it that he liked to do? Uh, what kind of person was he? And I felt like that was that was the challenge mainly was just to make sure that it wasn't just some uh, collection of figures and dates and kind of impersonal facts. Yeah, Bill, and you mentioned the woman who quit her dream job to raise children after a family tragedy. You mentioned the man who had the heart attack when the hospital couldn't admit him or he was he, he was unable to find the care that he needed due to the overwhelmed hospitals. Is there another or is there one story or person in particular that, that has stood out to you in writing these obits that, that you feel like you, you'll obviously never forget? Well, there was a couple from Gadsden uh, who they died several days apart. Each of them, each part of the, the both the, the the husband and the wife had interesting little stories about them. The the man uh, was known in his church as uh, uh, kind of a mentor figure to people. Uh, the wife was uh, worked in the nursery, and the husband had been a a, a sports official. You know, the wife had worked in schools and, you know, there were a lot of moving pieces to that story. And I was privileged enough to talk to their uh, daughter and their son, you know, and then they they brought in some other information about what it had been like for them, where they were texting each other in the hospital because they couldn't talk to each other. And they were very moved by the care that they got from the people in the hospital who had obviously by that point had been through weeks and weeks of this and were kind of on their last nerve. And to kind of tell that story at that time was it really it really felt like something because this family had obviously traveled a great distance in a very short time emotionally. And being able to get that down, I uh, felt like, you know, we really accomplished something. How do you think the obit assignments have maybe impacted you personally um well you know i i didn't have any hesitancy about getting vaccinated i got it as soon as it was available because my doctor had recommended that i get it i'm diabetic so i felt like it was it, you know it was safe and and my doctor had already gotten the vaccine so I, you know i trusted him on other things and i went along and did that the stories did not affect me the way that they affected other people, because I know that there were some people after they read some of these that that kind of overcame some of their hesitancy about getting the vaccine. But how it affected me personally was just to see just the toll it was taking on people. And sometimes it can be hard when 
you have a steady drumbeat of the same story every day. And uh, I know after a while, when it felt like I was doing one of these every day, I was really, I was really, uh, it was really starting to wear on me. I'm, I don't, I don't mean that in a woe is me thing. I'm just saying, you know, that, that it, when we stopped seeing the, these so frequently, I was, I was very happy because I knew that that meant that uh, the pandemic was at least lessening in its effect on the community. And, uh, and I'm just grateful for that. Bill, finally, more than 15,500 people have died from COVID in Alabama. And like you said, each of them with their own story worth telling. How do you think you will remember those who lost their lives here? Well, you know, um, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know in my own case, um, I've known people at my church who got sick. A woman who used to be a supervisor at my first job died of COVID. Some people my age I know have spent a long time in the hospital and are still recovering from COVID months later. I remember at the very beginning when they were talking about what we could expect, and they said, you know, most of the people who get this won't get seriously ill. Most of the people who are seriously ill won't die, but, you know, it will still be about 2% of the population. And the first that you hear that, you think, well, that's not a lot, but, you know, they don't tell you who those people are going to be. And the idea that I've tried to carry in my head throughout this whole last two years is just an appreciation for uh, how tenuous good health is and how uh, tenuous uh, the things that we take for granted in terms of normal life, normal days. And we haven't seen a lot of that over the last two years. It's been a struggle to kind of get there. We're starting to see some of that now, but you know, there's always that sh idea over your shoulder of, you know, that we get cranked back up any time now. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that I have tried to keep that in mind throughout this whole thing and not get too high, not get too low, not get too expectant about things and try to appreciate, you know, every day that's in front of me. Bill Thornton, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. Community transmission is down across Alabama. The data on cases, hospitalizations, and even deaths reflects that. AL.com's Ramsey Archibald reports the positivity rate is plummeting. Hospitalizations are down 85% since September. The number of COVID-19 inpatients in state hospitals fell below 500 last week for the first time since mid-July, and deaths are also down. Ramsey said Alabama reports about 22 deaths per day which is down from the nearly 140 per day in late September. Alabama is trending in the right direction, but there's so much work still to be done, especially when only 44.7% of the state's total population is fully vaccinated, which is fourth from the bottom among U.S. states. So this is not over. No matter how many people fill our football stadiums this fall, or go grocery shopping this weekend, or gather with their loved ones this Christmas, People in Alabama are mostly not frightened of the virus, or at least they don't look it. You can look around wherever you live and see people living their lives as they normally would 
as so many of them insisted they must do in the face of this unprecedented, mysterious, and deadly adversity. Some people still wear masks. Many do not. Inside Bryant-Denny Stadium, if you look around at the more than 100,000 fans packing the venue, finding a face mask in the stands is like locating a needle in a haystack. But our state is seemingly unbothered. But so many questions remain. We are on the cusp of seeing the FDA approve a vaccine for children. People are getting booster shots. And doctors still have so much to learn. Will there be another surge like the one caused by the Delta variant? Or will our state's vaccination rate increase and ward it off? We are certainly in a better place now than we were even just a month ago. I just hope Alabama keeps getting better. Thank you for listening to Outbreak Alabama. Thank you for letting me tell your stories from the pandemic. Thank you to my colleagues at AL.com for their incredible reporting since March last year and sharing what they've seen, what they've learned in our state to keep us all informed. You would not believe how hard they have worked. Everything changed for them mere days into this, like it did for everybody. Multiple meetings per day trying to understand it, so much stress trying to juggle so many different stories and keep themselves and their family safe while doing so. And they did it so seamlessly and so professionally. And I have so much respect for my colleagues and friends, the journalists at AL.com. And thank you to the doctors for their expertise. And when they almost had none left to give, their time. And to those who have lost loved ones since last spring, I really can't imagine what you've lived through. I wish you peace, and I hope we find the strength that we need to continue moving through this together. So thank you for listening. Be safe and stay healthy. For all of AL.com's coverage on the pandemic, visit AL.com slash coronavirus.